Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Shooters Gotta Shoot. I am your co-host, Erica Spera. And I'm Molly Demillier. And... Happy Holy Thursday, everybody. Holy, Holy Thursday. For all, all the Catholics out there, and I guess Christians. I don't know if you call it Holy Thursday. Probably listening to this as you do Stations of the Cross, yeah. as every good Catholic does. <laughs> as you do every Holy Thursday. Well, this this is post-Palm Sunday Mass, so you made it through the long one. Yeah. You made it through the long one. Oh my God, have you ever gotten like rocked by the priest with that water when they walk down the aisle and they just <laughs> shake the thing and they just like nail you right in the eye or rocked? something? Yeah. <laughs> No, I've never been blown aback by the holy water. <laughs> oh, my priest had an arm. Oh, really? Yeah, he could get you. I did do, uh, I remember being young, leaving church once, and I wanted to taste what the holy water tasted like. Stop. And Everybody puts their hands in there. <laughs> I don't, I wasn't thinking. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is where coronavirus <laughs> came from. Erica drinking the holy water. Oh, no, yeah, so I was, I remember walking out, and I put my finger in it and tasted it, and, I, and we were like standing outside Salty. church, and I remember I started to my mom, I was like, oh yeah, the holy water really does taste different. <laughs> She was like, like what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, everyone puts their hands in there. That's disgusting. So it's gross. germs. That's what you tasted, germs. And I was like, well, I, just, I figured it would taste different than regular water. It is holy. And she was like, no, it doesn't. Not to be sacrilegious, but like most of the shit you do in church is pretty like not sanitary in terms of like all drinking out of the same cup. And the priest like putting the eucharist in your mouth yeah well that's like with the wine i was like it tastes like wine and they were like yeah it's not literally the blood and i was like well you know you hear about it all the time <laughs> yeah. and you finally get a taste of it it's just wine <laughs> thought we were out here really they're like it's blood. symbolic <laughs> and you thought it was just weird eating someone's body i don't know man i was also curious what it was gonna taste like i think i have a <laughs> i got a <laughs> I just got a desire to taste things. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's your one. love language. Taste. I was. I do remember. Yeah, I do remember uh, being very disappointed of the taste of the Eucharist. I was like, this tastes like shit. And I, every mass, thought I was missing out on something. Yeah. Missing oh, man. out on snack time. And it just dries out your mouth for that last like 15 minutes of church. And you're like, oh, I just need some water. Yeah, man. You were like, I could just keep skipping this. That's fine. Yeah, it's I rough. did it once in yeah. a nice dress. I think that was enough. Yeah, I'll take the blessing. Um. Oh, yeah. Real quick. Leave us a review for the podcast. Yeah, God, <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, we've been praying for it. How about that? How about that be your Easter gift to us? Leave a review. A nice review. Just throw some bunnies on there. Yeah, throw us a review. That'd be dope. And uh, if you want to support the pod, you can join our Patreon. It's pretty awesome. Yep, patreon.com slash shooters gotta shoot for extra episodes we are approaching our goal of actually doing a free or an extra episode every week not free yeah. sorry an extra <laughs> episode every week so i think we'll just get right into it so this week we felt it would be appropriate to do a book um that was by casey main who we were on her podcast the better you the better you mm-hmm. and her book is called i gave up men for lent yeah 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 so she did a self-challenge of basically putting zero effort into men well, I wouldn't call it zero effort. It was like actively not talking or 
have anything to do romantically with men for 40 days which so it was like if a man approached her or like wanted to talk with her she said no talk to me on easter Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. okay okay so there's three rules how she breaks it down like how's it gonna work all right so rule number one is she will not socially reach out to men in any way so no initiating essentially which is what i indirectly said okay rule number two is if any of these wing men um, basically like a guy friend or those dudes that are like always like come in your life the orbiters yeah the ones who are just kind of around yeah, yeah. almost like I, I feel like this basically means like ugh, past hookups yeah so if any of those people reach out to her she'll either not respond or just be honest that she's given up men for lent and to contact me after easter okay so weirdly though i feel like if it's an orbiter you should just be like mm, screw off yeah I'm done. or just like don't talk to them <laughs> see what happens sometimes True. that makes them more interested though well, that's what she even said in the book was uh, if a new guy asks you out, the hard to get thing seems to work well in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> or that's even um, my friend, my good buddy. Uh, she said she always tells any guy, she's like, oh, you don't want to date me. Oh. And then, like, but, but not that it's a move. She's like, because I was like, how do you always have a boyfriend? She's like, I don't know. Anytime they start talking to me, I'm always like, oh, you don't want to date me. I'm a head case. I'm a mess. And they're like, no, tell me more. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I'm say, listen to the second episode of my podcast. You'll hate me. <laughs> yeah. Or there's this part right here. She says, I'm hoping that if I reject men first and don't even give them the chance to reject me, I'll get a much needed break from the disappointment and heartache that have plagued me since I ever started dating. Okay. That was some honest shit that I liked. Yeah. Real up top. I was like, you know what? I felt that. Yeah. Where you're just like, I'm, you know what? Fuck. I'm not going to try anymore. Yeah. Like that's partly of us starting this podcast is to be like, don't fully give up. Right. Even though, like, currently right now, I'm in a thing that I'm like, I just, not in a thing with someone, just in a headspace that I I feel this book a lot of the thing of sitting there going, should I just not at all put any effort or thought into anything? Yeah. I mean, I think I love how she was just so open and honest throughout this book. Like, it's written as journal entries. So, it's like reading her diary and, like, from those points to even uh the men that she talks about who come in and out of it and she you know goes really back in depth with like the past relationships that she's had uh-huh. and there were so many times where i was like oh i had one Been of those there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's like oh, three four guys yeah she has a code name too that were like the little relationships along the way yeah and it was like each one she later in the book pinpoints like this one was, you know, that high school love that mm-hmm. I, like, didn't want to let go and thought was going to be forever. And then mm-hmm. it's like, this one wouldn't commit, which was like, we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, so it's like each one she, like, later mapped out, like, what she learned from those relationships, which um, we interviewed Casey for the second half of this episode. So mm-hmm. uh, well, stay tuned. she gets into that. So stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there were so many moments of either just her honest thoughts of, like, being alone. Yeah. Or the things that were happening to her with the relationship she was in you just were like oh yeah yeah 100 you're like been there yeah so it was like it's not that it's a sad read but it's just more of a you're like oh yeah if i sat here journaling my 20s this would be it (laughs) (laughs) that's a very lot (laughs) type of thing um another quick term from the book uh that actually is originally from the how to be single movie is the dick sand i loved this which this is really fun and i like a lot and it says Dis- dick sand ugh, i can't even talk dick sand is basically the phenomenon of when a girl forgets who she is and gets sucked into the world of the guy she's seeing oh now, i've done this yeah i mean We've this you know this. book is written from a female that dates men perspective but mm-hmm. i have also very much known men to do this 
Yeah. That gets sucked in and all of a sudden it's like you're just kind of mirroring everything the other person wants to do. Yeah. Like, oh, you wear boat shoes now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a common part. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Even how you dress. Shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Which later she says, I realized the catch 22. When you lose yourself for a man, you lose the parts of you that attracted the man to begin with. Mm. The parts that connected with him. And it says, when one person has been consumed by the other, how can the love survive? When one person is basically drowning. I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as we all have dated people, we've realized that sometimes. Yeah. What I love really about all this, too, is like, this is her path to self-discovery. And what she's really, like, saying in these pages is that she's not going to have a validating relationship unless she has the security and love for herself. Yes. Yes. And if you're changing yourself for someone else in a lot of ways, I think that that really is just like glaring that you're not confident in who you are and you just want to be something that you think that they want instead of like true to yourself. And I think that's what she really like Mm. found throughout it is that she would really like waver to what she thought, a lot of people in her life wanted from her because she talks a lot about like relationships with her family and friends and like the the things that they expected from her or she thought they expected yeah and kind of like catering to that Mm -hmm. and yeah especially with family there's this thing of like disappointing them yeah especially she talks a lot about um we get into this with her in the interview but um like them like feeling sorry and like sad that she's not married right like on that path at i think she wrote this when she was 32 turning 33. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so really as like a woman, that's your expectation. She grew up in the South, which is a yeah. bit, you so know. So it's even more so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, God, I just, I think that would be really hard. I think we're starting to feel that at 27, 28. Yeah. I don't feel like uh, family pressure directly, no. but uh, it just in terms of, yeah, I had Society. like the wedding year last yeah. year. I had six weddings last year and I already have three this year. Yeah. Up, which is fine. Like it's not that part doesn't make me be like, oh, my God, what am I doing with my life? But it's yeah, it is that thing of like approaching 30. Yeah. I feel like it's also just being like, okay, well, when the next decade's over, now you're 40. Right. So it's like, oh, shit, it's here. Yeah. And then, well, like you go into those events, too. And like it just it becomes a question of like, oh, you seeing anybody? Oh, I hate that. It's okay. I never said it wasn't okay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying it's not okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that uh, that always sucks. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that she talks about that in that book too. Of it's like it's just a natural question of like getting to know people, especially when you like don't know like the people at your wedding table. Right. But it's something that's like if it's a wedding that it's like everyone got plus ones basically, and you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, clearly no one is here with me. Why are we asking that question? Right. Like, yeah, no one's around. Yeah. So what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are nine seats at this table, and Ugh. everyone else is coupled up. Right. I know. The other part she says about kind of the stick sand thing is like. In the relationships, she said, I I allow my mind to go down the road of our potential life together instead of taking the time to think about if he is what I want. Oof. I focus solely on being wanted instead of what I want. Yeah. Which I was like, "Uh, yeah, we've all also been there. Because it is nice to feel wanted. Yeah. Well, I think, too, there's something important she says there of, like, thinking about our life together. And, like, that's it's just taking such a huge leap that i think so so many women do of like yeah okay but like the goal of this relationship is to get married and have kids and you know have this happily ever after and like right. maybe but there is something really fun and amazing in itself about the beginning of a relationship and like enjoying that mm-hmm. and kind of like 
building something off of it. It's like, okay, if you're thinking 10 years down the line, like you're not enjoying this moment right now and or focusing on making it really good and really strong because you're just like, oh, well, we have to do this because it's going to be this later on. It's like, no, just like create a connection with somebody. Yeah. Or that's like, that's where settling comes in is also the opposite Yeah, of you're like, this would be a good provider if you're looking at it that yeah. way. Of like they would be, you know, a good provider for we could have kids if mm-hmm. I marry this guy or this person wants kids and mm-hmm. they want all the things I want and right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that also kind of escalates settling. Yeah. Where it's like, no, 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 but do you really love this person? Yeah. I think as uh, that just like speaks to when a lot of women get towards 30, they uh-huh. kind of. They're like, well, he checks these boxes. And, like, there's not a reason to say no. But it's like... I, uh, this but what's m- your reasons for saying yes? Right. Mm-hmm. It, the, it makes me think of... Uh, did you watch The End of Love? You didn't watch The End of Love is Blind, did you? No, not yet. But you could spoil it. I don't care. Is um, this a spoiler? Yeah, this is a All spoiler. Right, spoiler. So fast forward a minute. Yeah. Uh, Kelly and Kenny. Everyone thought that they were going to end up together. Like, they had this really, really good connection. But they, like, weren't having sex. And Kelly kept, like, holding out. Because she was like, I just... I don't feel it. It's not that he's not like a physically attractive person, but like mm. I'm not getting it. And like a lot of podcasts and stuff that I've listened to or like conversations with friends, like people are like, oh, like she just thought she was too hot or like wasn't, Ooh. you know, like saying that basically like her standards were too high. But I was like, I think she's saying that like it's just not there for her. And that's okay. Yeah. To like walk away of like you sometimes you don't know why you don't love somebody. Because I think like we've all like looked at friend or a guy in our life and be like they are a great person but like it's just not there for me and yeah like, there's that's no desire okay. to be physical with that person yeah because i was like when people shit on her as much as if they did have sex and she said we are not sexually compatible yeah maybe. like i feel like less people would be like oh she thinks she's too they'd just be like oh well she i mean they tried she tried yeah they tried and she basically was like i don't want to sign up for the sex life with this person forever right which it's like well honey if you don't even have a desire to be with this person physically yeah, 100% walk away. Right. What, you're going to force that? Right. Like, like that's someone, something a man would never force. No. A man would never stay around that long being no. like, I still just don't want to have sex with her. Yeah, I'm not like, quite sure. No dude is taking you on a first date that doesn't want to have sex with Yeah, you. like, they're not going to walk in the door. There's part of them going, I would. Yeah. That's that's getting them to show up. Yeah, absolutely. Know? So it's like, so if we do that, we're apparently this superficial, oh, you think you're too good for this man? Right. And it's like, mm, how about I wasn't looking at him as, like, these other boxes. Right. Like, or it's, um, you know, don't, everybody, like she said, I, you know, everybody likes to feel wanted. Right. So yeah. even from his perspective, he took the breakup really well is what I've heard. Yeah, She he basically did. says no. Yeah. Because basically he said, she made him feel not wanted. And he's yeah. like, you know what? I don't want to be with someone that doesn't want me. Yeah. It's like, good for you, man. Right. Like, good for you. You took it like a chance. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Another part of this book I really liked is that she's super honest about, you know, being sad when you see other people having these milestones specifically yeah. uh siblings yeah so it's like there always is this closeness of your family and like one thing she said was like it was an adjustment of just you know her sister got married and then it was like okay every other christmas she's home yeah it was already an adjustment because it's like well my whole life has been all of us here at christmas yeah and you know the fact that i think it was the story i think her sister was already married and basically she was pregnant yeah and there was something of when she found out the news she like started to cry Mm -hmm. and i think what's so hard about that is like you feel guilty for being jealous because you're like this is my 
you know family yeah like it's it'd be the same if it was a good friend and you cry you're like yeah it's it's jealousy is such a hard emotion to deal with with anybody yeah because i think sometimes it when it is someone that you love so much or like you're really close with like it's also it's a mix too because like you are so happy like she definitely was very genuinely happy for her sister but like just more angry with herself and not with her sister and that's so hard to describe and process on your own right or it's also you know she didn't say this in the book but there also is like an attention factor about it yeah that it's like oh okay now it's everything's gonna be like well so-and-so is pregnant so we need to do xyz or you know especially like when the baby's coming and it's first grandchild of the family that's a very you know like your parents are gonna be like we can't travel or we Mm want to be near her that month because the first month's hard she'll need extra help or like all those little parts of it is it is almost like when you know i was young and i was old enough like when my mom got pregnant with my sister i like saw the whole process of like her growing and i was mm-hmm. remember everything of like born we're in the hospital we take her home <laughs> like but there was something to like the attention shift is all on the new baby now yeah so there was there like was this little jealousy that i didn't really remember because i also was so excited i had like a live doll mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. i was like this thing really poops and stuff <laughs> like i get to change the diaper and like like my mom was like you didn't touch a doll the minute your sister was born because you were like let me do it i'll do it i'll change her like which is so exciting and fun but my mom was like there also was a lot of jealousy but i more remember jealousy of my sister when it was like she was born we moved to a bigger house Mm-hmm. There was, like, more success in my parents' life. So there was stuff she got sooner than I ever got. Yeah. That's the thing I remember being like, wait a minute. I wasn't allowed to just... I didn't get that till yeah. I was, like, 10. And it's like, well, because your parents weren't making as much money when yeah. you were three. Yeah. See, I was... I was the Carla. Oh, yeah, you, you were. Know, it's Actually, our family dynamics are almost exactly the same. You and Marcus are, like, what, 16 months apart? Yeah, 18. We're, like, yeah. a year and a half, yeah. My sister and brother are 14, and then I'm six and seven years later Mm. so it's it's very similar of like i i did get things that they didn't have at a younger age right you know and it uh it was just a very interesting way to grow up yeah well i also did you ever have the oh no you're the youngest i remember having like my maybe it was like fourth or fifth birthday it was a birthday i just i remember seeing a pile of presents and i went over to open them and they were like no no those are for marcus and i was like it's my birthday and they were like, yeah, well, he gets gifts too. And it was this thing of like, because we don't want him to feel bad. Oh, and it wasn't no, my parents. It was actually like all my aunts and stuff. That oh, like bought no. me a gift, bought Marcus a gift. And then I literally went, where is Marcus? And Marcus was nowhere to be found. <laughs> Marcus is ADD ass. Didn't even know I was opening presents. <laughs> no, we did not do that. But I remember being like, what the hell? It's not his day. It's my day. Yeah. Like I was like, hey, what? Yeah, no. Like I was like, well, I better get presents on his birthday. That's <laughs> that's when the tallying started. Let me tell you. I was yeah. like, oh, Marcus gets presents on my birthday. I'm like, well, when Marcus's birthday comes, uh, I want something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's it's weird that like I, not weird, but essentially we're kind of in this place too, right? Of that kind of jealousy, maybe sometimes that things happen, or yeah. like, I mean, when coronavirus shutdown happened, oh, there's yeah. this thing of like seeing people with their significant others, like basically having this like cute fun quarantine time yeah or even like their fuck buddy and like like yeah. i had a friend who sent me snapchats of like the couch cushions all messed up and she was like oh, what'd you say she's like oh really putting the work and from work from home and i was like god damn it I was like, this old bitch won't even text me back <laughs> well uh, that's just 
Well, I know that why that annoys me is like I wasn't doing that to you. Yeah. Well, like, no, I let him know when I got a good a good one in, but. Well, but it, like a random is different. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm home alone right now, so kind of don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's true. But like, there's something to that of like, um, I actually said something to my manager because we were talking because she's a germaphobe. So I was like, "How you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, "Mrs. I bring my own sheets to hotels." Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, like that. So, which I was like, "I do whatever you want." That's amazing. Oh, not only brings them to hotels, throws them out immediately after. That is amazing. So she always like she'll buy super on sale sheets all the time maybe she donates them she probably donates them but like but we'll buy super on sale sheets when she sees them so they're always like christmas like random ass stuff oh my god that's hilarious because when i met her it was in like the grimiest dive bar in the world yeah she comedy's been, grimy man yeah she must have been so uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> sorry marlene i know i had no idea anyway yeah i don't, I don't know if she's listening hey marlene um anyway but then she was like how are you doing and i was just like you know i was like i was doing great i was being so productive all day and then all of a sudden it was like 6 p.m and also it's like Friday night mm-hmm. and I didn't have a show. So it's like, all right, you have nowhere to be. And it's like, you can only work for so many hours. <laughs> and, but then there was something in me being like, yo, how many of these things am I going to be sitting here by myself? Yeah. Like we're upstate New York. So, I mean, we're in New York. So it's like every snowstorm that happens. Yeah. Every blah, blah, blah. That, like just basically like rainy day. All that stuff is yeah. when you're like sitting there being like, man, this would be a great time to be with somebody. Yeah. And it's, I think social media just puts it all in like a, like under a microscope you know because it's yeah. like you're just seeing all these people together i mean before we started recording we saw someone was like out on like you know a beach with their significant other and it's like okay cool like yeah. didn't need to know that yeah like, and it's hard to feel that jealousy yeah because like i am happy for you but also like what the fuck like it's just gonna be me and erica forever <laughs> <laughs> i guess so you know? <laughs> are people jealous of us <laughs> yeah and it's i mean it's also something like you feel like you can't open up about that jealousy yeah. a little bit because like this one part in the book is it just literally goes uh people never understand they tell me you're beautiful you're smart you're a catch you'll meet someone but what everyone seems to forget is that my love life so far has mostly mostly been filled with disappointment and heartbreak mm-hmm. am i supposed to forget just forget all that and trust that they're compliments and predictions for my life if i'm such a catch why has no one caught me if I'm so smart, why do I keep getting into situations that end up hurting me? Yeah. And that's a little bit of a lot to catch in. But it's like, I've been there if like a friend's down after a breakup and I'm like, you're awesome. Like you deserve someone great. And yeah. like, you know, it sucks that that person didn't see it or mm-hmm. want to be with you. And like, you try to say all the things to make them feel better. But I've also been the person on the other side just being like, why does it never work? Yeah. If I'm so great. Like I had a friend today be like, you're tall and beautiful. That's intimidating to people. And it's like what what am i supposed to do about yeah that? it's like, like what i mean like thanks like it's yeah. such a weird where you're like i'm like i have other tall and beautiful friends that uh you know also get talked to like yeah. you know what i mean right or it's um it is hard to basically not have that in your mind of the for me more of this book was like i've had that feeling right of being like yeah i should just 100 percent work focus fuck it someone will yeah. come into my life when they come into my life but literally upon starting this podcast i was like okay that's what i've been doing and guess what nothing's happening right like i'm not meeting anybody yeah and it's like as jared said jared freed on that episode of like if you want to get hit you got to play in traffic yeah it's like okay <laughs> right whether it's to date and actually have a relationship or just to hook up right like either one is like you can't you can't blame the universe if you're not at least being in situations where you could meet somebody right like that was we referenced something about like i don't know if it was like where to meet men but i think it was yeah the where to meet men with column but the beginning of that chapter is basically being like you can't sit there and bitch and complain if you're not 
doing anything. Yeah, that's that's very true. Of like you're staying in on a Friday night, any night that you yeah. decide to stay in and literally have no social contact with anybody. Right. Is like, okay, well, you this can't is... also sit there and go, how come I don't meet anyone? Right. Like, that's your own fault. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but I do think there is something really amazing in what Casey did in this book of like forcing herself not to meet anyone, but then also like process what was happening and what has happened in her life and like using it as a moment to grow because i do think like you need to have those times where you kind of like cleanse for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. but also like really really force yourself to think about like the why like there was a point in here where she has a conversation with her dad and she like really focuses in on like the whys for him and like why he made certain decisions in his life Mm -hmm. and then you know, I think it's important to really like ask yourself that, like, why do you do the things that you do? And like, what, like, what are the consequences for better or for worse of those decisions? You know? And I think in taking the time to do that, you just, you do learn a lot about yourself and the people who you're letting into your life. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my favorite parts too, is when she talked to her dad Mm -hmm. or even like her mom individually and yeah, really, kind of bogged down of like i don't know if it was i forget if it was about their relationship directly yeah their relationship but then also like within that it was like about like the decisions that they made as yeah sing- as like single p- people yeah like what did you want in life and do you feel like you really got it yeah so it almost was like aside from their love which is almost the thing that she would maybe look at and be a little jealous of mm-hmm. of like yeah i would love to be with someone over 30 years and whatnot and it's like that's yeah. my parents I'm yeah like, yeah I would have loved to have been done at 23 with dating yeah. and be with the love of my life and grow from this young love. It's like, yeah. that's, you know, I feel like, the, I feel like there's two types of love. There's this young love that starts very young like that and mm-hmm. you grow together and your life shapes together. Mm-hmm. Or I feel like the opposite is like, I did everything I wanted to do. I hooked up with whoever I wanted to hook up with. I finally got tired of that life. I'm ready to settle down. Yeah. Like this older, more mature love, which seems to be more of like New York city per se. Yeah. I think I've been in a really interesting position on like the way that I look at love and relationships because I think I've said this like on the pod before but my mom was almost 40 when I was born so not only like do I have this I've always just been ingrained of like fuck the biological clock like that's not really a thing and also like on the other side my dad's mother was about 40 when she had him so Mm -hmm. it's like that's it's really just like been ingrained in me but also my mom was a bit older when she married my dad. I think she was 31 when they were married. 31 or almost oh, okay. 32. Which so, back then was considered old. Yeah. Well, now really, that seems to be the age most people get married. Yeah. yeah um, back then it, it was considered pretty old. And especially her sister was 21 when she got married. Oh, so damn. it was like very different. Wow. Yeah. So I think I've been really like fortunate to have that mindset and not feel that pressure. But like now that i'm starting to get to that age it's like oh i'm not even like dating anybody yeah that's more what it is yeah right like if it's like okay if we were sitting here being like i've been even if it was you know even when i was with eggs benedict's like three months but i just was like oh i really like this person yeah and it's going well yeah it's like just even that that is suddenly this level of security or you know it's something like when i if i was at the wedding uh, i'm going to or whatever in like a month Mm -hmm. and you know everyone's like are you seeing anyone i'm like oh actually i am blah 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 and it's just like and then those people are always actually happy for you. Right. That's like my good basketball teammate, Breezy, was someone that didn't really date anyone in college and was very school focused, like mm-hmm. ended up going to nursing school. She's an RN. She's smart. She's the nicest, sweetest. But she's one of those people you would say this about. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, you're a catch. Yeah. You're smart. 
you're beautiful you got your life together you're driven like anyone would be lucky to have you mm -hmm. and like so her she was someone like upon hearing that she even was just like seeing someone like i remember my mom i saw her i saw breezy and i came home i was like oh breezy has a boyfriend and my mom was like good for breezy <laughs> like she was like good she deserves it like you know there's there's this like a little bit of that cheerleaderness that's like yeah she's someone i rooted for yeah there's someone i didn't sit there going who the fuck dates you yeah. <laughs> but those like who the fuck people are the are ones the that are always in relationships it's like how yeah <laughs> exactly right like it's like uh this is how i always phrase it of like when i meet a gal that i'm like she's great and the you know like megan hanley's another one that we love love megan and we're Hanley. like yeah how are you not wifed up yeah like i look at you and i'm like i think you're better than me yeah, <laughs> that i'm like damn you're like hot and you haven't been scooped up and <laughs> you're so nice you're such a great person <laughs> yeah. i'm like you smile all the time <laughs> you know <laughs> like i bet she smiles when she cries you smile yeah you're polite like <laughs> she smiles when she's uncomfortable who yeah. does it <laughs> i make gross but jokes. it's like sometimes there's like a fear of like looking at someone like megan and i'm like okay you're older than me mm -hmm. and you're still out there struggling i'm like what fucking hope is there for me yeah <laughs> you know but the just go back to like the work you know drivenness there was two quotes from this book i really liked that basically was when she was like okay i gave up men and then i suddenly was looking at my life in a different way mm -hmm. so the one was i had a new way to look at life and make decisions something either makes your life better or it doesn't mm -hmm. so like with any decision she was making it was like does this make my life better yeah me doing this thing gonna make my life better and then later it also kind of talked about goals of being disciplined about doing what you know will make you happy in the long run not in the moment oh i like that which is that's uh, that's very hard for most people yeah it's even with like saving money to buy a house it's yeah like, okay well in the moment i want to go get dinner with my friends at this like nice restaurant or something yeah. and you're like okay but i'm trying to save money for a house right and it's like what's gonna make me happier in the long run you know right and sometimes it can be really hard to admit things like that to people socially and she talks a lot about social circles oh, in yeah. this book that really like hit for me and like yeah cause she kind of gave up drinking too at the same time yeah she did fully give up drinking or drinking liquor yeah. during it um which like love the specific specific you know the Specif word specificity Specific how specific she got with that the specificness of <laughs> that decision specificity yeah specific. god damn it if you can say it let us know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't have a producer yet to look things up yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i lost my thought oh she just like got really into how social circles would react with, to things and like these really like larger life goals that she mm -hmm. was making i think sometimes making changes like that in your life can be really hard on figuring out how other people are going to react yeah you know well it's like um we talked about this with breakups mm -hmm. i'm the friend people hit up to do a 5k with and you're the friend that they're like i want to go drinking yeah and, and the there are both scenarios that were like, hey, listen, I don't want to do that all the time. Right. <laughs> like, whatever, whatever your title is in the friend group, sometimes you're like, I don't have the energy in me right now yeah. to go do that. But then if I don't, you feel like you're being a bad friend. Yeah. And it's like, if I, this is happening a few times, because like now I'm getting older, like hangovers hurt more. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be out drinking like I was at 22. Like, I, I right. did that. I had a good time. Like, I'm, I'm always down to have a good time. But there's a limit these days. And if I say I'm not drinking, like, the look on people's faces in a room, like, you would think I just kick their puppy. Like, <laughs> it is insane yeah. that I'm, like, and it, now that I've, like, come back, there are people that I don't hang out with as much, and it's sad, but it's, like... That's every one of my friends that cuts back says the same thing. Yeah, it's They're hard. like, oh, it turns out what we had in common was getting drunk. Yeah. And that's kind of it. Right. We both were just down to get drunk when usually everybody else wasn't. Right. Type of thing. 
And I think one thing, uh, like a little tip that I've learned on like trying to navigate that, uh, my friend Bella, who like obviously I hang out with all the time, mm-hmm. one of my best friends, she's we're very similar in that way of like when we're down to have a good time, like we're down to have a good time. Yeah. But there'll be times where we kind of like make a pact before we go out of like, hey, like I'm not trying to get like shwasty tonight. Like, yeah. you know, like I just want to go out, have fun. Don't want to one, break the bank. Like we live in New York City. It's yep. not cheap mm-hmm. to go out drinking. And very two, true. like I want to be able to go to the gym tomorrow. Nine times out of 10, we're both actually like nine and a half times out of 10 these days. We're both just like, yes, absolutely. Like that is exa- the night that I want. Yeah. And or the night's not about getting drunk. Yeah. It's about us catching up or just a little socialness. I, I, yeah. I almost feel like it's like a, it's like ha- having a drink at dinner versus going out drinking. Yes. It's kind of something like that. Yeah. And it's also just like nice. Then you like go into the night mm-hmm. knowing what the expectation is and yeah. everyone is on board Instead of it being like, oh my god, are people going to be mad at me if I only have two vodka sodas versus eight? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something that's like, I've never really counted on people. Like, I've never been looking like, ugh, she's not drinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or Some even vice do. versa. Some people do. It's Like, if uh, the only time I've, like, been like that is like, well, we live in New York, so people don't drive. Yeah. But, like, if yeah. I was out at, like, my hometown bar with a friend and I just was like, oh, you're kind of drunk, I would basically just be like, hey, do you have a ride home? Right. But I wouldn't be judging you for drinking. I would just right. be like, how are we getting you home safe? Yeah, like, exactly. I don't You can get hammered if you want. Like, sometimes you need a night to blow off some steam. Yeah. And it's like, I'm here for you. I'm here to talk to you and, like, be with you. But yeah. I think that's partly a security thing. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just being like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to and I'm not going to. And that's yeah. enough of a reason for me. So it should be enough for you yeah i'm going through that right now just like you know being more health conscious and like working out and trying to like yeah lose a little weight or Mm -hmm. just feel better about my body but a big part of it is is that thing of i won't get up and go in the morning if i'm hungover yeah i won't there's a lot of people are like oh, i love running as my hangover care i'm like well i don't know so i will go buy a bagel i'll fuck up my diet for the day and i won't work out (laughs) right it's like on two counts i messed it up yeah i found on like the drinking thing i was kind of using it as a coping mechanism for just uh there was a lot of stuff that's like been going on in life as it tends to do like yeah i use food that's mine yeah and i i didn't even realize i was doing it but all of a sudden like the nights that i was out whether it be like company part like my company is very social and like they do a lot of really really wonderful things for us and then Mm -hmm. like we'll go out afterwards like we're all like a lot you know good friends but it's a little different like when you're not paying for the drinks and then oh, all of a sudden sure. like right. you go out in the after party it's the same for me if there's free food somewhere yes you're like hey this is you didn't have to pay for dinner so you should be taking advantage yeah of like the food that's here yeah. especially in comedy so often we don't get paid so you go to a show and they're like we have free pizza you're like well this is my payment yeah <laughs> in a way like so like the drinks are your reward yeah at the company party or whatever it is yeah and i just realized that it was becoming like a very self-destructive habit of like i was how do i want to say it It was around a time where like a lot of stuff in my life was going on that i was unhappy about and it was kind of like oh like i feel really good right now let's keep it going like let's stay happy and then yeah 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 yeah. it also it's really kind of a vicious cycle because alcohol kind of follows the law of physics in that what goes up must come down yes in that it brings you up but then you really do have like an emotional hangover so like it's also the law of McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> From Super Size Me. Yeah. It was like, it would, it would have this big high and then these low lows. Yeah, it's so true. And it's it, because it, it throws off a chemical balance in your body and in your brain. Yeah, And for so sure. I was also finding that when that was happening, I was kind of making my like anxiety and 
I don't really want to call it depression because I feel like it might like minimize true true depression but like my feelings See, of sadness because it's like there's different levels of depression right because okay. i've definitely gone through a slight depression it's like oh just because i didn't need medication and i still was productive doesn't mean i wasn't a yeah. little depressed yeah and it would make it like really bad right. on some days and just it would take days to like get through and i was like and i would like do things that i wasn't proud of and like with yeah. you know people in my life and was like that's that's not who i want to be it's not pushing my life forward right anyway and but that's like basically this book is like you take away all the vices. Yeah. You start to really be like, what am I doing? Yeah. And why did I do those things before? Yeah. And, or what's, especially like, uh, you know, you and I are not alcoholics. Right. But if I was to go, I'm not drinking for 40 days. It's very interesting to see the times that I would be like, I kind of want to drink right now. Right. And then, and then the follow up goes, why do you want to drink? Right. It's that asking that why. It's yeah. like, why do you want to drink? And you're like, well, cause I'm sad about something. It's like, okay. Or yeah. even if it's like, cause I want to celebrate this thing or, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. It is. It is just so interesting. Like how alcohol can be sort of like a vicious tool in a way. Well, you know? there's uh, actually, you know, what's so funny is reading this book. I thought about how like so many people don't have sex sober for years. Yeah. Like the first time they have sex is, you know, drinking in college or mm-hmm. something, which I'm not knocking, but I had many friends in college. I remember being like, they were like, oh, I've never had sex sober. And I was like, what? I had a lot of friends like that too. I was like, never. And they looked at yeah. me like you do. I was like, I practically almost always do, but mm-hmm. that was indirectly not really my decision. It was cause I had played sports. Yeah. So I was like the nights I get back from the bus, it's already, you know, almost midnight. Mm-hmm. So I'm really going out to one party. Yeah. I may be having one or two drinks. I'm not drunk. Yeah. Like a lot of times I would just skip drinking because you'd show up. Everyone's already so drunk. You're like, well, I'm already so behind. Who cares? Yeah. And it would be the thing of like, I had mad work to do the next day. Yeah. Like I was like, I have to cram all my schoolwork in my one day with no sports that night. But then even then there'd be like, oh, I got to go lift though. Like it was always something. My college experience was a lot different. <laughs> but, uh, but it was like crazy to me that I was like one of my only friends that was like had sex sober a handful of times. Yeah. I was, I was surprised I had friends who were very similar in that way. Um, but can I ask you this? Mm. Were when you lost your virginity, were you sober? Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. And I have friends that kind of just like, not just like did it drunk, but like they, you know, kind of got to a point where they're like, okay, like I'm ready. Yeah, and it happened to be like when they were out at a party or something, and right. they were drunk. And I think that we talked about this on actually on Casey's podcast of like kind of your relationship with sex, and I think sometimes it does go back to how the first person you were yeah with. the first person you were with and it yeah. was like i remember not wanting to be drunk at a college party same. just fucking some random person i didn't know same i just remember being like i don't want that to be how i have sex for the first time same and it was mainly because of the horror stories i heard of like bleeding and it hurting and basically i was yeah. like okay it needs to be somebody i'm comfortable with and yeah. if those things happen i'm not embarrassed with that person right was like my number one thing yeah and i yeah it was important to me that it was like someone that i like cared about and like i was very happy with the way that it went down but like I think those people who lost it that way are like then just like gotten this really like long habit of only having sex drunk. Cause I think that's right. really easy to happen in college. Then, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, that's what most, people... that's the social time is people are drinking typically. So it's yeah. Like... Yeah. Everyone's horny and like <laughs> yeah. living within two feet of each other. Like, yeah. It's... Or it's like, listen, I've sent some bold drunk DMS. It's like, dr- it's like drunk confidence <laughs> is just another level. It is. You know, drunk you is more comfortable with your body and everything. Yeah. Or it's also drunk you is just, you know, like if you're in a situation that was like a good friend, 
sober yeah. you'd be like no i'm not gonna mess up the friendship or the group dynamic drunk you's like it'll be fine yeah. drunk molly <laughs> has the confidence of a connecticut lacrosse player okay <laughs> like i am in there and my shoes are amazing yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> no one says no to connecticut molly <laughs> no. connecticut lacrosse molly <laughs> sorry i got daddy's money <laughs> that's so true though there's something to it yeah. that's even like uh, i'll say this that a couple times i remember there were a couple times in college i remember being drunk that was maybe one of the only times i was like very directly about what i wanted sexually like, i kind of was like i don't give a shit like yeah. there, there is something being like i don't give a shit and i remember like <laughs> i think i negotiated someone going down on me once <laughs> i definitely oh have. i straight up yeah. was like oh you don't go down on women and he was like no not really i was like you watch porn, right? He goes, yeah. I go, what do you watch all that porn for then if you're not learning anything? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and he was kind of like, oh, and, I, and then I just was like, by the way, I don't go down either. And he was like, what? And I was like, oh, that's how it works, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Like I basically was like, oh, this is drunk Erica and we're not dating and this is a two-way street. Oh, you don't go down? Neither do I. I'll never forget the look on his face. of like, that's not fair. I was like, oh, is it? Is it not fair? Oh. I love that. Yeah. I'm like tempted to do this as a challenge a little bit. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, I mean, her big thing is, like, stripping away the vices to figure out, like, what her, like, her patterns are and her, yeah. you know, problems with herself. What do you think yours are? Or do you think you need to, like, figure them out? Um, I feel like I touched on this in the Jared episode a little bit. But basically my pattern since college pretty much has been I'm very focused on what I want to do to getting my work done very driven and i'm not focusing on men i'm basically doing mm-hmm. what this book says right and then it's the thing of like whatever amount of time goes by it usually would be like a six month cycle i would find It'd be mm-hmm. like six months of i didn't even make out with anybody mm-hmm. there was no action from anywhere coming from anything right and then it's like i would have a night out or it's just somewhere where i guess you could say maybe drinking would be involved but not necessarily okay. but it basically would be i would have a night out and i just was like finally feeling a little horny of yeah. like i kind of feel like cooking up with somebody yeah like basically the times that i sat there going i don't want to hook up with people anymore I, I want more of a relationship i would then not hook up anyone but mm-hmm. it's like then you have that night that you are horny yeah and you're like and then it's just the night that you're like you maybe meet someone and you go oh this guy's fine yeah like like let you're attracted to them edge. you're yeah. like they seem fun I want to have a fun night, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So you hook up, fine, great. But then it's basically back to the grindstone. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't really be putting, quote, effort into men or feel like I had my focus of life after men. But it's also like that hookup game still gets tired. But then you're trying to balance this thing of like, I kind of sit here and go, is that a bad pattern? Like, I wouldn't feel bad about myself after. I wouldn't feel like, yeah, there was no, there was no negativeness from it. Like, really, the only negative would be, like, I guess if I had sex and it wasn't that great. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, that wasn't really worth it, I guess. Yeah, no, like, I'm that wasn't, tired. That wasn't worth another notch on the belt, per right. se. Would really be the only negative thought I had. Yeah. And then maybe, like, okay, if I was drinking and I was hungover that day, it was like, okay, we, we're having an unproductive day now. Yeah. But how productive I am all the other time makes me be like, oh, one unproductive, lazy yeah. Saturday or Sunday is not going to kill me. Right. Like, I'm still getting everything done that has to get done. Yeah. I just, I didn't go to the gym or I didn't eat well today. Yeah. So what? I'll do one a face day. mask. Yeah. Call it one self-care. Day. Yeah. I'll have a green juice and a face mask <laughs> and it will reverse all the damage I just did <laughs> to my body. Just in one 10-hour period. Um, 
Yeah, I don't. So I don't really know if that's like a vice or a negative thing mm-hmm. because this is also what we've referred to of like if you have someone that's quote in your back pocket mm-hmm. that you can hit up for when you get that horniness right like yeah. i had someone for like a few years that was just like my go-to like oh i have a night i'm free or i'm yeah. horny uh, let me contact this person and maybe i would hook up with them i have a nice time and it was fine yeah and it's like you know if you have that person and then it's kind of you're kind of sitting there being like i don't have this desire for a relationship yeah or oh. like all my boxes are technically filled well that's yeah. <laughs> oh god <laughs> <I didn't mean> <laughs> but yeah sorry uh, <laughs> You know what I meant. Figurative, literally. Of basically, you know. like, the, the, then when I have, would have the hookup cycle, it's just, like, I didn't have a, a back pocket person around. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if that six months went by, I would have hit up that person. They're not here anymore. So now I'm just more inclined to, like, be out and maybe talk to somebody. I don't know. Right. But it's, yeah. I don't, I've, uh, yeah, I've tried to do periods of basically being, like, don't just hook up with people. Like, yeah. date. But then nothing would be happening, and then I would feel this pressure to go online. Yeah. But I never really liked it. But I would be like, well, at least you're going on dates now. Like, you're trying. You're doing something. Right. You're putting yourself out there. So, not that I shit on online dating. It's just it's just work in a different way. But Yeah, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you feel like you have any v- patterns or vices? Yeah, I think um, I I didn't do this. I gave up men for Lent, like, to a T. I remember you thought about for new years yeah i did doing a month or something i did i and i think i just like really took some time to like think about Mm -hmm. what i wanted um but when i actually first moved to new york i tried to like really not be with anyone for a while or like really date um because i had like just come off that breakup yeah and really like since moving here it's been two years now and i've really just like tried to focus on me and the things that are important to me and I think one of the things that I've found is one that like similar to Casey is I can use alcohol as a vice yeah and like pre- be pretty self-destructive with it um and that it's it's not a band-aid um <laughs> <you know? laughs> right, right. contrary Ooh. to popular belief yeah. uh it's not um and I think also the people who have hurt me the most they've I've let them like really like dominate me in a lot of ways. Do you mean like uh, when they pop back up or like the, you put extra walls up because you were hurt by those people? I think both Mm -hmm. of like the, in their ability to hurt me. I think it was because I allowed myself in some ways to like be manipulated by them um, and be like controlled by them and not be, like this confident person that I think that I am of like, I, I kind of lost who I was in trying to make them like me. Oh, so it was like the dick sand. Yeah. It was very similar. Um, and now I think I like in realizing that, like I did put up these really big walls and I think now I need to start to break them down and like allow myself to be vulnerable, but not manipulated, which I think is a tough Ooh, yeah. place for me to hit mm, yeah because I think that's for anybody yeah and th- there's a huge difference between allowing yourself to be open to somebody versus like well, molded and like just controlled by somebody which for some reason i've always had a, a tough time well that's out. the fear of being vulnerable with someone is partly the you know 
if you know this information about me, you could either A, use it against me, or basically I just I just gave you a tool to manipulate me. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. You could somehow use me opening up to you, and you're in that vulnerable stage. It's like when you're the most likely to be susceptible to that. Yeah. And I think I've just always kind of been that person that's like, oh, no, like, it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. they don't mean it. Like, right. And it's like, no, like, I think I've really just worked on forcing myself to really get a backbone and being able to kind of weed out the people that aren't going to be good for me or like yeah or it's more opening up to people and then seeing how they use that information yeah because it's also there's also something weird about opening up to someone about something and then they like it's almost like they forget it yeah like it's even the same when you're like telling something like hey that really bothers me when you do that or you like treat me that way or whatever it is and then it's like they keep doing it yeah it's like okay well it's good that i opened up about it because now essentially they don't have an excuse to keep doing those things yeah and and at the same time it's it kind of it's almost like the rose colored glasses thing everybody says it's like yeah. taking the rose colored glasses off yeah it's like okay now that this is out in the air how how are things different have yeah. they changed do you accept this about me or do you comfort me do you, you know do you yeah. essentially do you manipulate me or whatever it is yeah and i think like i'm starting to get there like i think i've come a long way i was actually just talking with our roommate Steven the other night of like <laughs> two guys that he knows that like I have like hung out with or like kind of yeah. basically like on my bench like for lack of a better word of, yeah uh, back pockets yeah back pockets and like he's just so sweet if you listen to that episode you know like <laughs> sweet boy he's um, like anyone would love to be your back pocket Molly yeah <laughs> he was like oh that message would work on me yeah he's like that's a good one yeah and uh, like knowing like me and the people involved she was like oh like do you like them just like being so genuine I was yeah. like Steven, like, I know what this is. I was like, mm. I'm, I was like, ask them what my last name is, you know, next time you see them. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it, but it's taken me so long to get to that place of like really just being able to see it for what it is and not try and take it somewhere more. Cause I think a couple of years ago, if I was in the situations that I have been with these two guys now, I think I would be like upset that it wasn't moving along more. Or like if I didn't get a message back, be like heartbroken. But it was like, now i'm at a point where i'm like no i know what this is like yeah you know like we're not gonna be these people like i have to essentially just keep telling myself like oh these people don't care about you and that's okay yeah yeah yeah. you know like it doesn't mean you're less it's a weird mental boundary though yeah it's hard sometimes yeah it's like they're just never gonna be with you and like you can't put your head there Mm. Well, it's also something you have to think of like you're not really dating these people right and so you're only getting this like euphoria from them yeah you're getting like some good sex a good time yeah a fun time yeah so basically anytime you see them it's a fun time right but that's all your brain is knowing yeah so it's like you don't know if you would actually have fun eating dinner with them yeah <laughs> like, well, like one of them one... I weirdly like have eaten dinner with them like this is like doing like those things but like putting it in that box of like this is what it is they told you up front right. and like knowing that you can't change that i was more being like if you haven't really gone on a date with these people i'm saying you never know if you might and then you're sitting there going oh i don't like this person at all yeah like like there's like a you know it's kind of the like being chosen versus choosing them it's like all of a sudden if you actually were in date scenario or you you actually spent a full day saturday with them you might be like i'm gonna kill this motherfucker yeah that's true this dude's driving me insane oh god (laughs) i thought i wanted to date this man (laughs) i want to strangle him yeah i understand murder (laughs) well it's like sometimes you think someone's cute and then you actually get to know them and you're like oh you're a nightmare (laughs) yeah it's like oh my god your teeth (laughs) yeah i would never date you i really see all your flaws all right well um 
I guess it's just time to get into our interview with Casey. Yeah. So um, everyone, hope you enjoy the rest of the pod, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right, so we are very, very excited to have the author of I Gave Up Men for Lent on the podcast to answer some questions. So everybody, real quick, let's welcome Casey Main to the pod. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. I know I'm, I'm excited to be here and chat with you guys about it. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Um, yeah so I guess our first question real quick up top is, since you gave up men for Lent, and this is now three years ago. Um, yes. About three yes. years ago. Okay, three so since your yeah. cleanse of men for Lent, uh, how do you feel your dating life has changed? Ooh, so I, I'm currently in a long-term relationship. Um, we just celebrated our year anniversary and we live together. So which is a first for me. Okay. Yeah. So I would say I'm in the healthiest, most intimate relationship I've ever been in. But I mean, and so that's a far swing from giving up men to, you know, to reaching that, that status. And there, it was a, it was a process along the way. So like after the Lent where I gave up men, I kind of tiptoed back into the dating world, saw my negative patterns just rear their ugly heads again and again. And then I'd kind of pull back and then I'd go back in and then I'd pull back. And it really wasn't until I reached this point of, I don't know, I guess we're moving like the need to be in a relationship and really reach this point of being like, actually, I'm going to be totally fine on my own. I'll be happy. I know how to entertain myself now because I've gotten more in touch with things I enjoy doing and how I like to spend my time and like, I'll be totally fine if I'm single forever. And it was only when I reached that point that I then got into a relationship, which was the healthiest relationship I had been in for a long time. And that relationship didn't end up lasting, but it was like, that was a big turning point for me in my dating life was kind of removing that need component, which I think just ultimately drives a lot of unhealthy behavior in dating. I think that makes sense. And one thing that we were talking about, Casey, was that you know, for well, the non-Catholics listening, Lent is forty <laughs> oh, <yeah>. days, which <laughs> yeah. really isn't that much time. Like it, 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 it is and it isn't. It's it kind of seems like it's an amount of time to really like strip away the bad habits and recognize them, and then after that, like you kind of got to go through these periods of like still figuring it out what it is that you need and you want, especially from oh, for- a partner in life. Oh, for sure, and. You know, I've done a couple podcast interviews where people kind of assume that I just figured it all out within those 40 days. And that is not the case at all. Yeah. Those 40 days were just really a, a wake up call for me. And it was just that very first step of change, which is always awareness. And so it was kind of becoming aware of my my negative patterns, becoming aware of the fact that like I've played a role in all of it, like I wasn't the victim, which I think we can kind of get stuck in that mentality of, well, he did this or he didn't do this or he, 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 instead of being like, well, hold on, I'm, I'm an active participant in my own life, which means mm-hmm. I can actively change it. So it was really just awareness of all those things. But after that 40 days is when really like the real work started because, you know, I had kind of almost gone into a little bit of isolation of like, Mm -hmm. just focus on me. And then when I went back into the dating world, that's where, you know, you have the opportunity to change or you fall back into your negative patterns. And, and, and which I did that a lot, I fell back into my negative patterns. And so it was also a learning process of like being kind to yourself and like self-compassion of, okay, well, I just messed up again, but that doesn't mean 
you know, I'm just the worst being like, okay, change takes a while and to Mm -hmm. like be patient with yourself. Do you think in like taking this pause, it was almost like a time to uh, like when you go out and start dating again to actually be able to like recognize what those are? Because it's it can be so hard, especially like as women and, you know, you're getting into your 30s or like looking at them and everyone around you is getting dating or dating, getting married, having kids. It's like you're forced to like be out there and like you should, you know, be swiping, be swiping, be like going on dates. And it's like you can't even really have time to process what's happening. Exactly. And so I think that's that's such a big point right there. We feel this pressure to be out there, especially as we get into our 30s. But if you like dig into that a little bit, like, why? Why do we feel that pressure? Because at the bottom of that is this need to get married and and have children or whatever, just get married, be with somebody, whether or not you get married, whatever, find a life partner. And I think it's like a subtle difference, but it's an important difference between feeling like you need that, like you have to have it versus you, you want it and you recognize the extra fulfillment it could bring your life. And I think a lot of times we think we're living in that, oh, this is what I want. But if actually you're, you're approaching it from that need standpoint, that's when you kind of can go into panic mode in your decisions and feel all that pressure. Once you eliminate that need, then you don't feel the pressure. So, Mm -hmm. and then when you don't feel the pressure, you're more in line to just live life how you want to live it based on what you want to do and what feels right to you you know, down to, to where you go out at night. Like I used to base decisions off like, well, will there be any like single guys? there my age, <laughs> you know, and, oh, like, I know that. and like logically that makes sense. But yeah. then if, if that's not somewhere you would choose to be going anyways, like are the people you meet, there going to necessarily be your type of guy. So mm-hmm. it's just, if you can remove that need and, and live more the life you want to be living, I think that just opens the door to, Uh, a healthier mindset towards relationships, but also greater opportunity to meet somebody that you can have a healthy relationship with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I feel that way about Bushwick, Brooklyn. (laughs) 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 I'm like, I would never choose to be out here. I don't care how hot the spot is, but this is not where I want to be. So specific. I'm just saying all of Brooklyn for me. I'm there a lot for comedy. And I'm like, let me tell you any bar I walk in, I'm like, I would not choose this bar (laughs) if I did not have a show here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think even just recognizing that and that uh, the book for me was a lot of kind of getting back to myself because I had lived so much of life based around kind of what other people wanted or what I wanted other people to think that I kind of lost touch with like, well, what do do I want? Like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? What do I want to learn? And so if you can get back in touch with that like your gut, your intuition, just your true self, authentic self. There's all these buzzwords for that, but just you, like mm-hmm. who you are, despite everything else, then, you know, that that should inform your choices, even when it comes to dating. But so often we just, we get disconnected from that part of us. Well, totally. I was going to say, there was one part in the book that I was like, yes, when <laughs> you talked about, um, I think it was like your sister's bridal shower, mm-hmm. being the same exact time as you've been planning a like, trip to Africa for so long and finally had the opportunity mm-hmm. to go and it fell on like Labor Day weekend. And your mom was being like, well, you know, that's really the most convenient weekend to do the shower. And you were like, you know what? I'm 34. Yep. <laughs> I've gone to every freaking engagement, wedding, child thing, like just because as a society, we base that more important. And you basically yep. were like, you know what? I'm going on the trip these two weeks. You can, you can have the shower. I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Kind of thing. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's basically how single women feel getting dragged to so much stuff. And I remember that episode in Sex in the City where Carrie calculated how much money she spent 
on all these events and she basically was like you know it's a little fucked up that like i don't basically get a nice gift from my friend because i'm by myself yeah like type of thing yeah it, it's true that it society kind of prioritizes and then we tend to as well and so yeah. I, that was a big turning point for me to be like you know what it's I don't always have to bend and I don't always have to give like I can actually just stick up for what I want to do. And of course, there's a balance with that, too, because you don't want to be like a total asshole. Like, you know, you mm -hmm. want to be accommodating. But yeah, just are there people kinda, you care about, of course? Yeah. Just coming back to to, I don't know, reprioritizing your own life and then setting those boundaries so that other people, you know, either either live within them or, or they don't. And if they don't, then that's kind of a telltale sign of, of your relationship. And, you know, right. my mother did get back to me. She she when I called it out, she was like, oh, OK, I think she got it. And then, mm -hmm. yeah, know, the baby shower, bridal shower, whatever it was, was. Yeah, you're basically like, just because <laughs> this isn't I'm pregnant with a kid doesn't mean my thing right. isn't important. It's mm -hmm. important to exactly. me. Like, mm -hmm. exactly. Which is basically kind of all you have to say. But I mean, it's just it weirdly, you know, struck me of like I had a lot of weddings last year. I already have a couple this year coming mm -hmm. up that there was this thing in me of like, yeah, probably by the time I get married, everyone's going to have a kid and like, can't even make it. Yeah. And yeah. it's this like totally fine excuse. Like, well, I have a child. So, and it's like, well, it wasn't convenient for me to go to your wedding in Vermont that had no airport, but you know, that's, that's nice. <laughs> like, yeah. They're always going to be a step ahead of you. Yeah. Their right. baby will trump your wedding. When you have a baby, they won't be able to come because they're going through a divorce. Like it'll always be <laughs> <laughs> right but that's uh we we uh have this saying right of any relationship in your life friendships even family which is hard to talk about but uh you know specifically romantic relationships so of this like you should almost look at it like a bank account sometimes yeah right and if you're the only one depositing in it then it's not really an equal yeah relationship or in a relationship maybe that you want in your life if they just take from it and you just give exactly and yeah. it's, it's something to really pay attention to and i think especially as women we we tend to be givers or feel like mm -hmm. we're supposed to give and that's right. where we can fall victim to um being in relationships where where no one else is is giving any credit totally and to go off of the bank account thing too it's like if there's like one small like negative interaction or like uh withdrawal from whatever the, yeah. the relationship is like if that is enough to break the whole relationship that someone doesn't like what you're doing because of one thing it's like well then this wasn't a good investment for anybody for sure with. like yeah then why are we here? right i've had that yeah like yeah. one thing you couldn't make it to for a good reason and it just ruins everything and it's they're like, like well, so hurt and it's like oh my god yeah. get over it <laughs> exactly and then but then if you care about that personally then you're valuing them more than you're valuing yourself and yeah. so i think that's you know it, it's such a it's such a domino effect. It's like you have to know yourself, you have to accept yourself, you have to love yourself, then you have to value yourself, and like all these things. And it it all I think starts with just even knowing who you are, which mm -hmm. I had just kind of lost sight of mm -hmm. over the years. I really love how your book it it is about so much more than men. Like yes, it's like your relationship with men and the challenges that you've experienced, and you're so honest and raw about those things but it's also you know your relationship with yourself like you said but your family and your friends and through all of that what would you say was your biggest discovery within the 40 days and the time after I would say the biggest discovery was really more the relationship with self because mm -hmm. I, I I had never even thought of that as a concept like mm -hmm. I had never 
And now I'm all into personal development and self work Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But like, I was just not that person at all. I would make fun of it actually, but (laughs) I just, I didn't, I, I never thought about it. Like I never thought about the importance of that relationship with yourself and how that is like the only relationship that you are in your entire life. Like there's Mm -hmm. no breaking up with yourself and that, and as with every other relationship, if you want that to stay in a healthy place, like it takes time. You've got to actually, you know, talk to yourself, not necessarily out loud, but like sit and think about your life and evaluate where you've been and where you are and where you're going and what you might want to change. Like I had just, I was doing none of that because I was so always focused on every other relationship in my life. The romantic relationships, obviously those were a huge priority for me. Um, my, my family, I was very close with. Mm -hmm. So in theory that that's great, but then it's like, I was so focused on keeping them happy that I wasn't even thinking about, well, what is my happiness? And then, you know, with friends and wanting to be accepted and all this stuff. So it was just, I guess this realization that there was this huge, enormous relationship in my life, the one with myself that I just was not even aware of. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing too, of, um, when you said that giving up the men for Lent and then like when you fell into some old patterns, the not beating yourself up about it is something Mm -hmm. that like, we're very hard on ourselves. So I feel that so much with so many parts of life, like not only relationships with men, but other things in general is I'm more the self blame type. Mm-hmm. Like I almost yeah. wish I was just like, ah, it's them. Like what a piece of trash. Yeah. That douchebag. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I deserve the best. I mean, like I do believe like everyone deserves the best, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, but often when relationships end, there's this like, what did I do wrong thing? Mm-hmm. And that's also, you know, a uh, kind of, practicing more positive self-talk like um the best piece of advice i got for that was like would you work for someone that talked to you the way you talk to yourself Oof. and when you're like no it's like well then why are you talking to yourself that way yeah. like or the fact that like i talk to myself in a way that i i don't talk to other people yeah so it's like what why are you doing that to yourself i was in a review meeting with my hr person and i was like setting my goals and, like where i thought i was at and she was like we really need to look at the way you talk to yourself. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh man. But a lot of times you don't realize it. Yeah. You're like, doesn't everyone talk to themselves this way? And it's like, no. You're yeah. beating yourself up all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, at least you guys are aware of it. There's a lot of people that aren't even aware of like the negative self-talk they have going on. That's but true. like that's that's a difficult thing. And that's especially difficult. And I kind of go through this in the book is like, that's almost like the beauty of living in victim mentality is that you blame everybody else and then when you come to this realization of like oh actually okay i'm in charge of my life and like i have the power to change it then you're like oh fuck like i actually this i got myself to this point Mm -hmm. and so especially with my relationships and my little history of being the other woman like i then totally beat myself up and had a lot of guilt of like well you did this and you're a bad person because of it and you deserve to feel guilty for the rest of your life and so it's very hard to like take ownership of your life yet also accept yourself and be compassionate about like the changes you want to make in your life, like accept who you are yet also want to be better Mm -hmm. and like, and be nice to yourself along that way. Like it's very difficult. And the way I always just constantly remind myself is that change is a very, very long process of like little baby steps. Mm -hmm. So even when you quote unquote mess up and, and maybe go back into one of your old patterns or have some kind of a mistake that you then beat yourself up about it, the fact that you're aware of it being a mistake is a step forward. Right. So like, I just try and look at all of it as progress. And even when 
like it looks like life it like we're moving backwards or sideways or we're all in the wrong direction it all actually is progress forward right yeah, yeah. it's a there's like um some quote or something and it's like what people think success looks like and it's the straight arrow trajectory mm-hmm. and it's like what it actually looks like is this like super curvy <laughs> all over the place like it's like circles yeah <laughs> you'll eventually get to the point but it's basically being like you're gonna have stuff that knocks you off whether it's your personal mistakes or even like specifically with work it's like yeah some you're a person you know there's gonna yeah. be things that happen in life that you don't have control over that's like actually you have to go deal with this now and you can't really focus on whatever your career is at the time yeah. uh well, exactly. I was curious, since the book and doing the 40-day cleanse, have you found you've been quicker to, like, write off men? Like, almost quicker to notice those either patterns or, like, more red flags? Yeah, so I, I definitely I definitely was quicker to notice red flags. Like, like the obvious ones. Well, I was going to say, like a, specific, my... a specific one from the book I remember is, like, the constant like guy gets drunk and is like I like you and I shouldn't be with this other person and and I was this like confession that hit me thing. so hard yeah that we I feel like yeah. we've all experienced and then suddenly it's like they're like no I'm still with that person oh sorry I said those things and it's like what do you do you know it's it's almost like yeah. that little hope they gave you that you like hold on to a little bit yeah but because yeah. you're cursed I, with like drunk words or sober thoughts it's like no they're not no they're not like yeah. he doesn't love you yeah that's a tough <laughs> one because like sometimes you think they are but maybe yeah. they are like i don't i don't even know you know it, it's interesting i actually became more aware of like my own red flag so not mm-hmm. necessarily a red flag in a, in somebody else but my own red flag so Ooh, a big okay. one for me was overanalyzing text messages both what Mm -hmm. the person said to me but then also what I would respond back and I would catch myself Mm -hmm. starting to type out my just what I would say and then I would start to think oh wait no what is he gonna think if I say that Mm -hmm. and then like okay what do I want him to think so I want him to think this so instead I'm gonna change what I'm gonna say to this that type of behavior was like that's how I was molding myself based on what somebody else thought versus just being me and then see how they react to like me. So like that was a big, huge red flag for me. And so it was more like I became aware of those and started to try and, and navigate relationships based on like my own red flags. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think, you know, if, if somebody kept triggering a bunch of red flags for me, then maybe that wasn't the right person for me. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah, uh, that's literally yeah, what I was I thinking as you were talking. I clearly didn't feel like super comfortable in that scenario, which you could argue that's on me. But in this, it gets hard because like, you know, every person isn't going to be the right person. So if you start mm-hmm. to get in this mindset of like, oh, well, it's all like me and so self-work and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, to some extent, but also like that, that doesn't mean somebody is right for you. So it's mm-hmm. like just paying attention to how you feel. And if you constantly feel uncomfortable with somebody else and in that situation then that relationship probably isn't right for you yeah 100 percent. i really like the thing you were just saying about text messages and the amount of like mental energy that gets put into them and i think that's something that you know as a society as you know uh, like a generation we're not really putting as much emphasis on the impact that it has whether it be like romantic relationships or not but like this is a part of a huge part of the way we communicate is text messages social media and it's it's also like a bank of just memories and conversations and i'm someone who will go back Mm -hmm. and reread them and you know i've gotten some like 
pretty negative text messages since this podcast has come out and like and how honest I've been and there's been moments where I've been down and like going and rereading them and really just kind of like crafting this own story in my mind of like oh like what did they mean by this sentence or this message and it's just you know it's toxic and you kind of need to remove yourself and and get back to really having like a confidence in yourself and not putting as much like thought behind every single sentence and comma and (laughs) emoji (laughs) yeah that oh yeah that that's very true first of all i would say just delete them like there's no reason (laughs) to go back you know what i mean like but it's part of letting go which is hard yeah yeah there weirdly is is, yeah i believe in reflecting on the past Mm -hmm. and 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 analyzing things that happened and interactions with people only from a lens of trying to understand Mm-hmm. to to figure out changes you maybe want to make in the future never to blame to blame someone else to blame yourself because ultimately it doesn't matter like yeah. what happened happened mm-hmm. so like I'm just big now I try and look at everything as like okay what's the lesson in it like what can I learn from it because mm-hmm. if you learn something from it then there's value in it and if there's value in it then it was good mm-hmm. so like finding the lesson can take any bad and turn it into some version of a of a good in like the much bigger picture yeah, yeah. and you know, like the texting, it's especially in the dating world is now with, you know, you got all the apps and stuff. So a lot of times that messaging is your first line of communication with somebody. And so to try and like get your personality or gauge someone else's personality through via text message I don't know. That's just so difficult. Like I can be pretty sarcastic, <laughs> in which case I might come across as a total bitch. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I felt that. Or I've had the comes- opposite where the texting's great especially online and you're like oh we got great banter and then you're in person like man we do not click at all it's like oh yeah because ultimately you're like our perception is our reality like you're determining how you how you're reading it Mm -hmm. and and so it's like you're creating that person to be somebody that either they are or they aren't and then even when we meet people in person a lot of times we live more in that creation of who we want them to be and who we think they are rather than just see them for who they're presenting to be mm-hmm. and then decide, okay, I either like, like you or I don't like you. And that's why like when it comes to dating, my biggest advice is, and I know this is probably time consuming, but like meet in person as yeah. soon as possible because yeah. otherwise it's so much mental energy and it can mm-hmm. just meet for coffee, meet for a drink. Don't commit to a meal. Like it's too much mental energy to try and portray who you are, analyze who someone else is, yeah. figure out if there's a connection there. Just get face to face, go old school with it and see how you feel. Yeah. yeah. I even know people that do the phone call. Mm-hmm. Basically be like, yeah. let's have a conversation. And even then it might be easier to bring up things of like, do you want to get married someday? Do you want to have children? What are your future plans? Like, yeah. Kind of to be like, all right, all right, let's get to the meat of this. Um, yeah. Especially what you just said reminded me of, we just literally just recorded um, doing an episode about like non-negotiables in relationships. But we were like, at first it was hard to sit there and be like, okay, really, truly, what are my no's? Mm-hmm. What are my, nope, um, this is not going to work with this person and I'm not going to put up with this and it's not the person for me. But it is mm-hmm. another way of being like, you know, recognizing they're not red flags, but it's almost like there's qualities of me that I think, you know, someone else would say is non-negotiable and that's totally fine. Yeah. But it's more being like bringing it right to your forefront of like, okay, you know this going in and if you stick to the, stick to your guns, you're not going to waste time with people that, you know, you, you ultimately know the reason why it's going to end. Well, also in being able to like have a phone call or meet face to face, voice inflection gets out so much more behind something. Like I used to do improv stuff in high school and we would do, in opening practice with the line, may I have a hamburger? And you would have to say it 
differently like emphasize different uh words every time you said it and so it would be like mm-hmm. may i have a hamburger may i have a hamburger it's like uh, may i have a hamburger and yeah like, yeah i just said three different things you know <laughs> yeah. but like you type it to someone and they're gonna read it however they want to yeah, read it yeah exactly yeah yeah that's a good point phone calls and these days i mean facetime you know you can you can I would just get out of the just messaging because I think that is there's just so much mental energy spent on that and it's all guesses and you're probably wrong or they're reading you wrong and it's just just cut through all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say with the current relationship you're in, um, did you feel like it was the quote like it was easy at the start? Um, Specifically, well, so- I guess what you said, the red flags are like I would start to kind of do these spiral things. Do you almost feel like with the person that it's, you know, working out with where you're like, oh, man, I so quickly was just not even in my head anymore? Um, no, I'd like to say that. Was- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I feel I like think- that's what everybody says. <laughs> Or yeah, like, you no, know, it always was I, hard. I think, and then I met this man and it was easy. And you're like, oh, okay, shit. so so maybe yes, maybe in the beginning honeymoon period. But I okay. think one of the biggest lies we are told or tell ourselves is that r- the right, quote unquote, right relationship will be easy. And okay. maybe it is for some people. But I think the whole point of relationships are they're going to it's going to trigger your, your shit, like whatever you've got going on. And it is an opportunity to either work through that with somebody because that person is, is worth it to you or, or it's not. And I, I didn't deal with so much stuff from my past, from, you know, my, my first love and how all that went down to being the other woman and all of that craziness of all my dating in my twenties. I never processed any of that because I was a strong and independent woman. So I just, you know, brushed off and I'm fine. And, and I thought I was moving on, but really I was just repressing a lot of stuff and just not dealing with it. And, and that stuff will find its way out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, I continue to kind of take this mentality of trying to learn instead. So when I got triggered, like I got upset about something instead of just either repressing it or on the opposite end things like just flying off the rocker, I was like, all right, let me dig into this a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like, why am I upset? Is this actually something that he has done or am I about to like make him pay for somebody else's mistakes? Like, is this an insecurity (laughs) that I have Yeah. because of something else I went through or is he actually crossing a boundary? And and it's hard because it can get very confusing of like what is what is stuff from the past versus what is actually happening in the present. And and it's been work mm-hmm. and it continues to be work. But there's little things of there's little moments of feeling totally myself um, in my current relationship that I've never felt before, like just total comfort of being me and kind of getting more in touch with my like silly side of kind of dancing around the apartment or like just where you just like how I'm sure you guys feel hanging out with each other. Like when you're with a good friend and you're just yourself, like yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not worried about anything else. You're not filtering what you say or whatever. And like walls are fully down. Yes. Like yeah. I had not, I had not felt that in a relationship. Oh God. Like probably since I was like 17, mm-hmm. because you know, as soon as you start to get hurt, that's when those walls come up yeah. and then start to walk on eggshells and to protect yourself. And, and so I just, I had years and years and years of that. And so now when I feel those moments, I recognize them and I'm like, Oh wow, this is like amazing. Like, and it's not all the time because I'm still working through shit. Like I'm still in process, but, um, no, I, I I'm not going to like pretend that it was just all automatically like all, you know, butterflies and rainbows. It was, it's, it was, it was work as I think that 
um, a lot of relationships are, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, looking at like your relationships on the whole, like you got really real on a lot of levels on this book and about things that happened with different people in different points of your life. Since it's come out, what has been the reaction of some of the people who may have been mentioned or like may have been around for some of these parts? Yeah, did yeah. like more guys come through the woodwork? Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, you know, I like surprisingly, um, I keep waiting to like maybe hear from one of the the, you know, characters. Um, I haven't. There there's one character, um, I'm not I'm not gonna get into details, but there's one of the main guy characters who is still in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the others I never heard from about really? it. I don't know if they know about the book. I don't know if they read it. I don't, I don't know. Um, what about, um, you, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I know you want to ask about a, no, no, I actually wasn't. I was going to say, what about the other relationships? Like relationship like, yeah, with your family my, and mm-hmm. friends. Yeah, so my family, um, my family was interesting. You know, my dad read the book in like a day, which I was very nervous about because, you know, there was a lot of material in there that you don't, a dad doesn't necessarily want to know about a daughter yeah. and people have come up to him and we felt and that been, with the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm yeah. thinking about my dad right now. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Mark. People, hey, Angela. People, yeah. <laughs> people have come up to him and they're like, Oh my God, how are you doing with your daughter? Putting this book out there, blah, blah. blah. And I love mm-hmm. his answer. Cause his answer is just like this, you know, we had to live through this. Like this was life. Like, Mm -hmm. so it was much easier to read it than it was to live through it. I mean, like all the drama I went through with my parents and my relationships and them trying to save me from my bad decisions. I mean, that was, that was years. That was real life. And our relationship Mm -hmm. was strained for a long time. And so he kind of just took that no big deal, having it out there. Um, didn't really feel the need to rediscuss anything, Um, my mother, you know, our relationship is slightly more complicated as it (laughs) usually is with mothers. And, you know, she, she struggled. She read the book. Um, I gave her a draft of it on our, one of our flights back from Africa. So she did go to Africa with me. And so I hand her this manuscript and I'm, then I have to sit next to her on the plane while she's reading it. And there's times, yeah, she's like crying and I'm like, oh my God, I've just ruined this great trip by giving her this book. (laughs) I regret everything. (laughs) (laughs) she she finishes it she puts it down and she immediately goes to the bathroom and I'm just like oh no here I just totally upset my mother who was like so wonderful and all she's ever did was like try and like do right and she comes back and this is just how mothers are she comes back and she's sobbing and she looks at me and she's like I'm so sorry and I'm like why are you apologizing to me but this just goes back to like so she you know the lens at which she read it was different than I necessarily wrote it. And what she, of course, then turned everything around to like, what did she do wrong? Where did she mess up? Like as a mother, which is kind of how we all do things. So we've had a lot more conversations about, you know, she was like, well, in this part, like I didn't mean it like this. And I'm like, mom, I know you didn't mean it that way, but that's how I took it at the time. And ultimately that was my reality that this is what you meant. And it's just so interesting that the mother daughter dynamics of it is probably one of my favorite relationships in the book because, you know, there's like three sides to every conversation. What I mean, what the other person means. And then, well, I guess, no, that's two sides, two different (laughs) sides, but are both very real. You know what I mean? Like I meant what I meant. She meant what she meant, but then like we hear it differently and it's, it just gets, it gets very complicated. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I think, 
I mean, it usually comes from the mother, but it's it sounds like in your book it was your mom and your father hit a point that it was this thing of like worrying about you being alone, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. hard to admit and say. And there was many points in the book you just were like, yeah, I am lonely sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. But like, yes, it is true. But sometimes it's that, you know, I think there was something of the like, why don't they, why doesn't she date some of these guys? Like, yeah. it's yeah. they're like head on a swivel of, they're just like so worried that, I don't know, for women, it partly is an age thing. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you might hit an age that now nobody wants you. Or yeah. you're mainly worried yeah. about, you know, not be, they're not in your life anymore to be like a rock for you. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, well, who's going to be her rock if we're not here? Exactly. So and I think ultimately they're, they're worried about happiness. And my parents are, you know, at, I don't even know how many years of marriage, but they've had a very happy marriage. So their definition of happiness includes of a happy long-term life includes marriage. Right. Right. And right. that's great for them. That's not everybody's truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I have continued to have conversations with my mother who's still freaking out about the fact that I'm not married. And I recently had yeah. to <laughs> tell her like, mom, I get it that like I'm about to be 36 and yes, me and my current relationship, we've been together a year, but like, just because a year, like a year at 36 isn't longer than a year at 26. So like, why does a year at 36 supposed to mean like, I'm supposed to know, like, I just don't believe that. So it's like, I've, I've continued to have to talk her off the ledge of, I might get married. I might not, but either way, like I'm going to be okay. And it's kind of become this, okay, we both just have to like agree to disagree. Like she Mm -hmm. feels very strongly that I should get married. I feel very strongly that I don't necessarily have to get married to be happy. Mm -hmm. And I no longer try and change her mind. I'd like to say she no longer tries to change my mind, but instead, more, <laughs> I no longer get upset when she tries to change my mind because I recognize that's her definition of happiness. She's come coming from a good place, and so I just let the rest of it go. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I no, loved absolutely. your book. Thank you guys for reading the book. I'm I'm glad you could relate. Um, thank you for help getting the getting the word out there about it. Um, it was. It was a life-changing book for me, for sure. And my hope is really just that people resonate with some of my experiences or the questions I ask myself and kind of gets them thinking about their own lives. Yeah, or challenges people to really commit to something. Yeah. Like where yes. it's it's weird of like, I guess that is a perk of Lent growing up <laughs> Catholic was like, it was basically being like, you're going to give something up and commit to giving this thing up for 40 days. My family didn't do that Sunday bullshit rule. That's a new thing. No. I was like, oh, you go to church on either. Sunday, you get to have it. I was like, no, 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 no. The point of this is 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus exactly. didn't get water and food on Sunday. So you know, <laughs> he went the whole time. Uh, where can people find you, by the way? Plug uh, where everyone can find you on social media. Yeah, so uh, my website is just caseymain.com. Um, I'm on all the socials. It's usually some version of Casey Main uh, writes, like W-R-I-T-E-S. And Casey, uh, book- K-A-C-I-E. Right? Yes, K-A-C-I-E-M-A-I-N. And it'll um, be so in like the Main description Street. of this. Yeah, 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 we'll tag it below. Yeah, perfect. And and yeah, the book is on Amazon, on uh, print, Kindle, and Audible. Amazing. Oh, wonderful. All right, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Yes, yeah, thank you.